So, Steve, have you ever had to uh, call a plumber for any reason? Hmm. No. Uh, I tried once, and they just ghosted me. <laughs> Did you have a plumbing issue, or you were just trying to make friends? We had two plumbing issues, and we called a friend who happens to be a plumber, and wow, he has he was like starting a business, so we were giving him some business, and oh, okay, he was not like a super close friend, but a friend, and then he just disappeared. Like the Facebook page for his starting business disappeared. He never got back to us. I still have the two plumbing issues. We just never got around to getting them fixed. <laughs> now, I was going to share a story about how a pipe burst into my face, and I just had water gushing into my mouth and eyes for an extended period of time until I got my druthers, but now I'm a little <laughs> bit worried about your missing plumber friend. Do we need to put like a like an Amber Alert? Call the cops? Like what's... I have not spoken to him since. He might be plumbing off in another country somewhere. It's impossible to say. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. Yep. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I got soaked the other day. I was There was a little leak. Just a little leak, just a little bead of water near a pipe. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to tighten this clamp here. No big mm-hmm. deal. Let me just go ahead and shut off this valve. Little bitty tiny valve. And I just whoop, tweak it a little bit. And it just snaps. And all the water from my town and city gushed <laughs> oh, into my face. Oh, no. Yeah. It was like the, uh, the you know, the war garble gif of the dog that, like, is trying to just go at the fire hydrant while it's gushing water out of it? Absolutely. That was me. Yeah. Trying to stop what was happening from happening but hilariously failing at it Uh, but we have that all fixed now and my game room didn't get flooded so hallelujah hallelujah all right well i hope your friend is found i'm really worried about let you know if they turn up i hope so you might have to call a a detective to find the plumber and this is going to turn into a whole episode of clue uh okay so this is the polykill podcast uh it's not about plumbing or electricians or missing people as we've led you to believe. No, unfortunately, it's just about video games like every other podcast between two neckbeards. But fortunately, Blink and I, we have Steve, of course, uh, have um, good hair, which I think is rare among the neckbeard fam. You know, I got a good mullet, little wispy on top. I used some fruit teas this morning, got it pretty moisturized. And you, of course, have a nice little, uh, what do you call that, a quaff? Yeah, freshly cut, in fact. The lady cut my hair for me not but two days ago. Wow, a little post-Thanksgiving mm-hmm. haircut. And I was giving thanks for her doing it. And there you go. Man, giving thanks all year round. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, this is episode seven of uh, season two here of the Polykill podcast. And um, let's just jump right on in here because, you know, it's that time of year uh, where there's not many games coming out, but there just so happened, thank God, to be a massive set of delays for a particular game so that we can fill this segment. And that's Cyberpunk 2077. I gotta say, I don't know if I'm as excited as I was uh, previously. Are you? I, I'm, are you stoked? So, I put it on here. I have complicated feelings about it. No, normally, I don't go in for the open world, like these these huge, enormous open worlds, like your Witchers and your Skyrims and stuff. I get mm-hmm. I get tired thinking about them. But this one, I specifically <laughs> told myself three delays ago. I was like, this one seems cool. I'm going to get in on the ground floor. I'm going in hard day one. I'm going to be one of those guys that plays this nonstop, talks about it. I want to be, I want to experience that one time. And now a couple delays later, I'm like, well, I mean, it's not, it's only the PS4 version. The PS5 version's not out yet. It seems like a lot of work. Maybe I'll wait. (laughs) I don't know. So who knows? Yeah. 
I uh, I lost some steam too, and it's it's no fault of the delays really. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with the delay. I'm not a I'm not a big baby about that kind of thing, and and I don't typically get a game brand new anyway. I this will be the first time that I've you know will be getting a game day one since um it's just been a while. I just don't do it very often. I I was like you. I think I tried to manufacture some hype for it because I knew it was going to be a big thing. Everybody was talking about it, and most of the time. For things like Destiny or you know, just some of that, some of those big things, Anthem, I don't care about those types of games, so I always feel left out. Yeah. And I knew Cyberpunk was a was a type of game, um, you know, an open world RPG with with a real thick story and some nice '80s aesthetic. I was like, now this is something I could really get in on, and maybe I can be in on the conversation as it's happening. But uh, and, and again, no fault of the delays or anything like that. It looks spectacular. Um, it could be my own backlog is just you know peak capacity yep. i'm just not as excited for it as i was i i'd be okay if it were delayed again i know that that makes a lot of other people upset or looking <laughs> forward to it but i i personally uh I, I can wait a little bit i'm i'm cool i i'm at the point i think where my, my plan is i still think i'm gonna buy it but i know myself well enough to not fully trust that i'm gonna go through with that plan i like mm. i have enough seed of doubt in me to to check myself and It'll really, it'll come down to the hype cycle. If, you know, if the discords are blowing up, if the tweeters are blowing up and everybody is talking about how amazing it is, I'm susceptible to that. I'm only human. I want to be involved. I want to raise my hand and say, hey, well, you, I, I want to talk about this with you guys. Can I come play with you? <laughs> exactly. Which is the joys of having a video game podcast. No one actually has to let you speak. You can just do it Aha. and record it. Yeah, it's very nice. It was my, my cheat through life is uh, just... Just record it and make them play it, and then you don't have to you don't have to speak up. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you, man. I uh, I, I typically you know I, I'm usually one to wait. I'll wait forty years to play a game. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about your hype. But I thought I'd try it this one time, and and so far it's kind of backfired. But uh, because I pre-ordered it, I will probably knowing me try to justify all of that because I assume the price, like any game that's not Nintendo, will drop immediately as soon as it hits shelves, and I don't want to start playing it when it's going for you know 19.99 or yeah 19.99 on uh cheap ass gamer or whatever yep. i need to play it while uh w- you know while it's worth the, the amount i paid for it so that's just uh, some inner psychological warfare i play on myself but uh we'll see how it goes i'm sure maybe when i get my hands on it it'll it'll be different we'll see yeah that's no, no, no worse feeling than buying a game brand new for 60 maybe even 70 and you leave it in the shrink wrap until it becomes a greatest hits and then you finally pull it off the <laughs> shelf and play your original day one copy that you could have just bought for nine ninety nine yesterday. It's not a good feel. One time we were at Best Buy. This was years and years ago, uh, back when Skyward Sword had just come out. And it was, I guess, in the wrong section at this Best Buy. And they had it marked for like 24 bucks. And my wife found it. And she was like, this is, this is marked for $24. And she knew like this doesn't happen because it has the... The, the guy with the tunic on the front of it, and she knows that those are usually more expensive. <laughs> I was like, you nailed it. You nailed it. And we, we brought it up front, and they balked, and my wife marched back and pointed and showed them exactly where it was and all that stuff. So we ended up getting it, and uh, I knew it was a good deal. And it's worth. It's always been worth more than that. It's always been worth more than I paid that day. <laughs> it is still sealed. I have never <laughs> tried it. I just, I don't know what it is. I was just never quite interested in it, but because of that deal... It's just going to stay on the shelf. And then one day when it dips below the value of twenty four ninety nine, I might chance it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. 
Um, but yeah, you know, and you know, I brought that up earlier about how this is the the time of year. We, you know, we're we're past uh, that usual window of releases that are, that are going to come out around the holiday season. I think that just passed. So, you know, we're going to get Cyberpunk. There's not a whole lot left there for me specifically. There's a, I think, Doom Eternal coming to Switch. There's some ports, but uh, there's nothing there new and shiny that can at least hold a candle to Cyberpunk in terms of scale or or, or hype. So uh, not not a lot else out there. Now's the time to sit back and enjoy playing the games you already bought this year as there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a lull before all the, the news hits of the new games coming out. That's right. The calm before the storm. Speaking of which, let's storm that beehole of yours. Let's put it on the hot seat. <laughs> all right, hang on. Let me let me sit down on the peg in the chair here. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, uh, here we go. I sanded the edges on that son bitch for you, so you were to thank me. Okay. Uh, well, okay, Steve. Here you go. So you, you're a man who uh, you you have a lot of headgear uh, often, and and by that I mean like you have a, a some style going on or or a nice covering of some sort, usually a bandana. Yep. Uh, is there a ha- hairstyle that you've always wanted, but maybe you've been a little too chicken to go at? Ooh, well, we we can take a tour through the ages here. We start with the buzz cut. I, that's what I had for much of my young life. Then I went in. I had a solid JT phase with bleached, spiked hair, kind of like a loose wow. curl floating on top. My and God. And then since then, it's really just been like a swoosh to the side bandana deal. So I think I hit the biggest, most important ones. I was going to pick one that I'd love to do. Maybe try the man bun just to see how much everybody hates me. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I can do that right now, actually. And let me tell you how much that works to make your wife hate you. It's very effective. <laughs> Good to know. I don't know that I could yeah. produce enough hair ever to successfully do it, but <laughs> I'd love to try. All right. Well, hey, never say never. Uh, it is it is 2020. Do whatever you want. Uh, if you could be one barnyard animal, which would it be and why? I would be a sheep and i would give everyone a lot of delightful wool to turn into yarn and sweaters and cowls Hmm. that was extremely wholesome (laughs) and that will probably be the most wholesome thing on this uh, episode i hope uh you wake up okay you walk down into the living area of your home and you see that leah she's upset with you she's not speaking at all you wonder what on earth have i done you ask leah leah what's the matter she says, I've told you for the umpteenth time. What does she say? What has she told you over and over? But you do it anyway. Ooh. What's finally pushed her over the edge? That's a good one. It probably, I I put the clothes through a cycle of the washer, but I never moved them to the dryer. So they just got cold and kind of mildewy for three days. You just made mildew soup. Yep, exactly. Is what you that, made for the you made that and, for the family. And it's not because I'm lazy. I'm just too dumb. I'm just forgetful, and I can't remember to do things. So, I 100. It, it must be that must be that game beater mentality. I'm with you, buddy. I'm always thinking about the next credits. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never thinking about my family or chores. You know, none, none of that boring adult stuff. It's always what's what's next on the backlog. I'm with you, buddy. Yep. Uh, okay, so you you have to completely sell away one console of your collection and all of the games you have for it. Which one are you letting go of? Atari 2600, because I only have 13 games. It's one of the only systems I have that, where my games are loose. They're not complete. Two or three of them, the labels have fallen off, and I haven't pulled them off the shelf to see which ones they are. Is the top label that fell off. And I never play it, so I would just sell it off and start over. I think all 13 of those games I got at the same time 
on an, in an eBay lot in like 2011, and it was just because I was excited that I could get 13 games for four dollars and 25 cents at auction. <laughs> that's all it was. That's that's the only joy you can get out of a 2600 these days is just acquiring a bunch of it for cheap because you can't do that for any other console it, now. Exactly. So yeah, it's like if you want to feel like you've accomplished anything, just get buy an eBay lot of Atari 2600 games, and it actually comes with 2600 games. <laughs> One that's of impressive. every game. That's right. Uh, okay, last question here. Do you have a favorite or lucky number? This is so funny you say this. Just the other day, I was doing like... I forget where it came from. I want to say Leah was doing an Instagram quiz. It was one of those, if you could be a blah, if you could be a color, what would you be? If you could be a season, what would you be? And one of them was, if you could be a number, what would you be? And I had the, the realization... I don't have a lucky number. I've never had a lucky number. Isn't that like... I felt a little less human. Everybody has one. They're like... It's like a soul. It's supposed to just come default with one when you're born. That That's kind of a good point. Yeah, I think a lot of people... They either just attach themselves to a number for some arbitrary reason as a kid. Maybe it was a number assigned to them on a youth sports team. Uh, maybe it's their birthday date or something like that. But yeah, most people do have that one number they lean on for like the the extra part of an email address or something like that you got nothing nothing at all and if i try to like conjure it from deep within me without overthinking it you know you someone does that thing where they ask you two or three questions rapid fire and then real fast they ask you the actual question and you're supposed to blurt out the answer before you realize what you're saying if i do if i do that to myself the number i want to say is one but there seems like there's a lot of ego tied to your favorite number being one (laughs) yeah that is strange because no, one is the loneliest number you can ever do. Yeah, but it's also like the gold trophy. You're the highest on the pedestal, so who knows? It's a good point. It's a good point. There's probably some. There's probably papers on on Google or Sco- Google Schooler, <laughs> Google Scholar, that that will uh, that will let you know how how much your id and ego are. Uh, are in control of you right now because you like the number one, but that's okay. I won't judge you for it. All right, you're out of the hot seat. Get off that old that old thing, and let's talk about some games that we're we're playing now. We haven't beaten them yet. We're dabbling. We're playing around, filling them out. I'll go first here. I'm playing uh, Devil May Cry. They may or may not cry. I don't know. We'll see. That joke has never been made before. I'm sure. Never. But uh, I didn't. I could not remember. I played. One of them, either one or two, when I was in college, I have a memory of it. I remember we, we had a CRT in the in the dorm, and it was a fuzzy one. It wasn't a good one, and I remember having to like squint to play a PS2 game, like a game that was brand new, like on the newest <laughs> system. I remember that being like a thing that we had to do back then. Um, but I couldn't remember whether it was one or two. I just I wasn't as into games then as I am now. It was just a game that my my roommate had, and I played through it, and. I have them uh, like the first few, or I guess, you know, whichever one's on PS2, I have the full set. I was like, I, I want to play through these. These are kind of my style. You know, you got your, um, you got your demon hunters and your, your big, your big tittied vixens and all that good stuff in there. And I was like, yeah, you know, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and I was hoping that at some point it would click and it would be like, this is not the one I played, or this is the one I played. And I played for like an hour. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not positive. I don't think it is. Because it's, uh, I feel like the one that I played started in, in more of a city, and this is this is certainly more confined. Uh, but I, I really, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I'll stick with it or not. It might be a little, I don't want to say dated because I, you know, I'm coming off of playing like tons of PS1 games. Um, but there's something about the fixed camera, and it's just kind of rote. Like I, I got bored with it pretty easy. 
But um, it was kind of neat to know. Like, I didn't know what the what Devil May Cry came from. and It's the name of a bar in the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Like, you see that right out, right out of the gate. I always thought the, na- the name was kind of dumb. But now that I know what it's from, it's it's less dumb for sure. But is, is this a series that you've put a lot of time into, being a PS2 guy or a PlayStation guy? So I've beaten the PS2 trilogy of them. It's one of those. So Devil May Cry was one of the first games I got on PS2. And it's one of those games where I I beat it and I would say I like it. Like if someone came to me like, hey, man, you like Devil May Cry? I'd be like, yeah, it's a good game. You should play that game. That's, you know, one of my favorite action games on the PS2. But I don't remember one screen of that game. Like if you said, <laughs> if you said, give me one fact to prove you played it, I could, I would say like uh, Dante. <laughs> Dante. Dante. That's and it. I would you pass. I would never know any section, don't recall any boss, don't recall any enemy, nothing. Huh. Well, but I But it's good. You well, I, I might have one up on you cuz I at least remembered. I think there was like a tan city, like the, the the it was blurry and tan, but that could have just been the shitty TV we were playing it on. So I, I don't really know. Mm. There are red orbs. I know that for sure. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean the, there was the um the recent Devil May Cry that came out was it five? Did you play that one? No, I never played four or the remake that everybody was up in arms about, but then turned out to like or five. Five got some uh, some good reviews, and I think I was planning to work my way up to that, but I see myself just skipping around this series. There's, I don't think it matters to play to play them all the way through, but I did want to try. You know, I did want to check it out and see what I thought, but I don't think it's uh, it's one I'm gonna stick with. I think you probably played two based on the fact that you mentioned a city. Cause I remember vaguely there being a city in two. Also two is basically universally agreed to be the worst one. So feel free to skip right on over. So I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I'm playing through some kind of story heavy stuff and well, one story heavy game in particular, but I want to play something a little lighter, a little easier, a little more mindless. And so they finally patched Spider-Man Remastered to fix an issue that was having on PS5 that was causing them to basically freeze, sometimes brick. And I was like, all right, it's Ooh. patched. It's it's pretty. It's it's remastered for my new console, and it's pretty mindless. It's just a big checklist of stuff, so let's pop that in and check it out. And hoo boy, that's a pretty game. That's, that's a fun game. You played this game? Yeah. I played the, uh, not the remastered, I played the Spider-Man uh, regular. <laughs> <laughs> the regular, the regular master. Yeah, yeah, the regular master. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was probably one of my the, one of my favorite games from that generation. I feel like it's hard to say much about it because I feel like I'm the last person in the world to be playing this game. For some reason, I think everybody has universally gotten around to it. But it's like I, it feels pretty good to swing around. I don't know. You swing around <laughs> the buildings, you feel pretty cool. It feels pretty good, right? And and the thing I like about it too is it has a nice sense of scale. It's a big city, but and it's full of collectibles, but everything feels attainable. I don't feel burdened by side quests. There are plenty there, but I feel like I could probably knock out a bunch of these. Yeah. I'm I'm one of those people that don't I'm not a completionist type. I don't mind going for some collectibles. I think that's fun. But if I see like you know, if I dabble around for a little bit, maybe I'm ten percent through the game and it's like, you've collected three of three hundred. Like, well, you know. <laughs> Fuck most of those. I'm, I'll just if I if I see one, I'll grab it. But in Spider Man, I felt 
you know, toward the end of the game, I'm like, okay, I just got a few left. I'll, I'll go out of my way and spend a couple hours looking for these. Yeah. And that made it a lot more fun. I felt like I got a lot more out of that game than I get out of most games, just because, not because it had more, just because it had the right amount of more. They do something really smart, too, where not everything is available for you to collect or for you to do right away. You do a couple story missions, and one of those will finally unlock, like, one type of collectible. You know, the the backpacks will appear to, for you free to go seek out and find, or research stations, which are kind of like weird side quests, will show up. And so you can get into a flow really easily of do a couple of missions, and it'll unlock that type of side quest, and then you just kind of do all of that type of side quest as soon as it becomes available as a way to, like, mentally reset, and then yeah. do some more story, do that again. And I actually fell into that loop so hard that I'm at the point now where I have done every side objective in the game and i'm just basically mainlining the last three or four main missions and i think i'll get the platinum when it's all said and done so now that that's a good feeling right there yeah feels good and what i'm really excited for honestly in kind of the main reason i played the remaster is i'm excited to pop in miles morales which is the new one that came out on ps5 because it's the only ps5 game i picked up at launch that i haven't popped in yet and i'd like to get around to that game before the end of December so that I can keep it in my head if it is good for is this a top 10 of 2020 type of game. Uh, good. Good on you. You know, speaking of great games from uh, this this past year generation, this current one that we're, you know, I guess saying sayonara to at the end of this year, I'm, uh, I finally have started The Last of Us 2. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. it. It's one of those games that I think exceeded my expectations because I played... I played The Last of Us. Uh, I played the remaster a little late mm. and I don't know, probably 2018. So a few years after it had come out. So it's still kind of fresh for me. Mm. You know, it, there there were some things about it like that I'm noticing with this one that I'm, I'm like, holy shit, this game is just so it's somehow better than uh, The Last of Us. And, um, you know, I was, you could say all day about how well written it is and, and I think it's great, but the thing, the conundrum that I'm having with it is, and I think you alluded to this on one of the first podcasts that we did together, was it is a heavy time. Yeah. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy time. Like there's there's not, uh, it, it's structured a lot like a modern thriller TV show where there's there's action, emotion, uh, cliffhanger, and kind of repeat. And so a play session, and there's no chapters. So a play session is is it goes on and on and on. You never really feel like you can stop or should stop. And I, I face that constantly. Uh, so when I start playing, it's really hard to pull me away. It's like when I take a shower, like sometimes I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to take a shower, but then when I get in there, I can't get out of there. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. It's hot water I'm playing with my balls and stuff. It's great. <laughs> but the thing that's, that's kind of the way the last of us is, except I'm not playing myself, but I, I can't pull myself away from it. But to get me to jump back in is hard because it's, I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if I'm ready. It's such a, you know, if I've had a hard day at work, the last thing I want to do is is go through one of those heavy, you know, narrative twists or turns, or I don't want to be sad, you know, <laughs> or scared. I just want to chill. So uh, it's it's been kind of tough for me to like, you know, make it a perfect night for me to want to jump back in. And I, I think I probably did allude to this last time, but that same problem cropped up twice as hard because Leah's watching was watching me play through it. So not only did I have to be in the mood for it, but she had to be in the mood to experience it too. And you go through mm-hmm. that that loop of like tension and anticipation. Like you go through some really intense part and you have the adrenaline that pulls you through it. 
until you finally hit sort of that like lull story section and then all the adrenaline mm-hmm. flushes out of your system and you're like oh and you'd think that'd be a good time to jump off but that's where they hook all the little story bits that are like pulling the mystery thread along and so you're like well i'll just play you know just long enough to see where this goes and where it always inevitably goes 100 percent of the time is to a really tense scene with a bunch of action (laughs) like every other time and so you just you just keep you just keep rolling in the hamster wheel there's nothing you can do i know and it it sounds like we're complaining about it but i think it's it's just a perfect recipe yeah and uh yeah i'm i'm digging it I'm digging it a ton. Uh, I'm glad I'm not alone in that, though, and that it's uh, it, it's quite the, you know, I have to do some psychogymnastics to get myself ready for a session. And then, like you said, once the adrenaline flushes out and they're doing the, the cut scenes, you think you should stop. But that's when you've been most comfortable for the last 30, 30, 45 minutes. You're like, whew, let's just, let's just pillage around here and look for pills and talk to people for a minute and chill out. But then, like you said, uh, within 10 minutes, now your your shit hits the fan again. So, um, yeah, good stuff. I'm loving it. I'm not far in. I'm like all of that. Uh, all of that opinion came from about five or six hours in the game. I think. Uh, I think I'm, I'm maybe a quarter of the way through. So I got a lot more to deal with. All the all the best parts are the entire game. So just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So I've got two more here that I'm working on. First up is one that I just popped in on stream, and I I started playing very timely, the original Shadowgate on the NES. You know only. 25 Mm. years late although i think there was a remaster of this one not too long ago yeah i thought you were going to actually be talking about that when i just got it in the mail from limited run i was like oh i was going to ask how this is but you're talking about the one that came out in 19 like what 87 oh it it actually is timely how about that i set myself up for a joke but it turned out to be true uh no i i was just looking through the nes games and i was thinking i've been in the mood and i've talked about this before but i've been in the mood for something that's slow and kind of like requires a lot of tracking or effort or basically i want like fantasy star or something where you are drawing out the map to the dungeon on grid paper yourself but i don't want to play fantasy star and so i've been thinking what do i own that i can stream that sort of hits that feeling and so shadowgate seemed pretty good because you're going from screen to screen. You can sort of map out the dungeon, and it's a lot of like much slower, more meticulous, uh, more considered action than most of the other platformers and stuff on NES that I've been playing. So I started it up. I I got kind of far uh, by my standards. I mean, previously when I played this game, I've never made it past the second screen. So getting to like the tenth screen is pretty good in my book. I agree. I was going to ask if you were getting stumped. I mean. Especially on stream, man, that's a lot of confidence to uh, to play a game like that while there's a lot of, I'm assuming, backseat folk. You know, maybe maybe not in your stream, you got kind people in there. But mm-hmm. I always worry about people being in there pushing and prodding you to do all these kinds of things. And, and that's a game where I feel like they would come out in droves. Yeah, and I was, I mean, there's a lot of risk of someone spoiling it for you. Or, you know, you can just, you just not know what to do for 45 minutes and just sit there and tread water while everyone leaves the stream but i don't know i think (laughs) in a game like that i'm so not the type of person that normally would take the time to beat something like that like i i i enjoy point and click adventures i enjoy puzzle games and stuff but a lot of times i'm tempted to look at a guide or like figure out where to go next nudge me along a little bit Mm. and if you do that in a game like this I think you kind of lose some of the appeal of it. Like getting stuck and smashing your head against it and really thinking hard about it is sort of the point. 
And so right. the stream is my opportunity to force myself to play things at a pace slower than I otherwise would because I'm not necessarily racing to beat it and get on to the next thing. So in that way, I do think it is actually pretty good to do it on the stream. And I don't know, it's, it's just a good game, man. It's very, very creative, very funny. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think that's one I'm just intimidated by because I think like you, I've tried it and I've tried to get you know like where the where the fuck is that first key? Oh, it's in the middle, behind the face. That only took me two years to find out. And then, you know, you kind of build and build and build on all of these obscure clues and all that stuff. And I just feel like I just haven't put in the time. But I, I like what you're saying. Like, I sometimes get in the mood where I'm like, I just need to get. <laughs> for lack of a better way to say this, intimately involved with a with a really tough game yep. and learn it myself so that I can appreciate it. Because like you said, if I'm playing that by myself, it doesn't take long for me to, you know, peek at the game facts there on the phone and be like, let me just scroll through the paragraph, see if I can catch a word about oh, the second the second floor. I wasn't even thinking <laughs> second floor. Let me go up there and poke around. But um but yeah, I like <clears throat> I kinda like that too. So I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. That's great. I should pop in and check that out because uh, I've not seen past the uh the fifth or four, fifth or sixth screen, I think. Yeah, it's You're on the tenth? I I'm a, I'm on the tenth. I mean it branches My a little God. bit, but I've seen ten unique screens, so My God. Yep, yep. Good on you, buddy. Um, that's good. That's that's dear to my heart because it's an NES game, and uh, I'll probably one day have a little NES friend on it. We'll see. Mm. A game that I'm actually going to retire. I don't do that often. Uh -huh. I try not to anyway, but hey, it happens. Sometimes they just beat you, you know? Yeah. But th that's OutRun uh, 2006. We all remember 2006. What a year that was, you know? Uh, we're halfway yeah. through that second Bush administration. We are... Um, what else happened? Uh, boy. Uh, not to give um, up my age, but I just graduated high school. You were out there graduating from the old high school there. I was a year away from graduating college for the first of three times. I think I might have had long hair. I don't remember, but what I, what I absolutely do not remember is uh, OutRun on uh, the PSP and the PlayStation 2. Didn't play, didn't play a minute of it. No. I wanted to play some handheld stuff. I, li I like the PSP, and I like racing games. So my recipe for a good evening these days, Steve, and uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a 35-year-old man. I'm, gonna, I'm about to talk like I'm 56. But <laughs> I, like, I like to turn the lights down low, get a cat on me. I like to have a big old kitty mm -hmm. cat right there with me. I like to get the PSP out, turn the volume down. Turn that volume down. I like to get on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's got some good good old school true crime stuff they got all the forensic files they got you know all the i can't remember all the all the shows cold, cold case files all that stuff but they got the fbi files i mean just a <laughs> what a good little number that is about 50 minutes of whack just some good good true crime and uh, i'll get that going and that's the kind of thing because it's docu-series style you can kind of follow it without looking at it it's all reenactments anyway and uh just just play a racing game or something something that doesn't invest you too too much while you're while you're just listening to all these atrocious murders and crimes, and uh, boy, I did that for about a good solid week with Outrun 2006, and I was having a good good time. Uh, as Outrun goes, and if you re remember classic Outrun back in the day, you got the um, the dude and the gal and the and the red, I guess it's a Ferrari beaming down the highway. Her her blonde hair's blowing in the wind. It's time trials. You have to get to the next checkpoint. There's forks in the road. You get to get to pick. And I think it's on the Master System. It's a good version. Might be one of the Genesis. Good times, man. Great times. Uh, this game it operates like that a little bit. So it's, it's a little deeper. It's actually decent. Uh, but I think the PSP version has a bit of a uh, a difficulty spike. That, from what I can tell, by angrily looking up uh, certain 
track online on how to beat it, which again, it's a racing game. This is how you beat a racing game. You hold in the gas pedal and then you finish. Okay. Uh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's, a, I'm missing something. So there's, there's a lot of uh, drifting in the game and there's a whole course, a whole section where you have to drift basically through an, uh, an obstacle course. And it's like, you know, you, you go, you go right and then left and then right. And like, oh, like a slalom. Okay. In a car, uh, pretty tough. But if you hit the sides, your car just flips up in the air, and then you get past, and it's right at the end of a race, too. So if you fuck up right there, you're done, and you have to finish in the top three. One of those racing games, right? So I tried it for, like, maybe two or three full episodes of FBI Files, Ooh. man. We went, th- we went through the classic FBI shootout in Miami. Uh, we, had, we had some guy out there just, you know, stealing cars and killing people. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff. There's a terrorist threat, 1993 World Trade Center bombing. I watched all that stuff, man. I was steeped, I was steeped in it could not beat this one <laughs> this one fucking race and so i i looked it up and the only the only footage online was of the ps2 version and i'm watching that version and i'm like well the way, the lanes are fucking wider and it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> jank every time he goes to skid through there and so I, was, I felt a little bit cheated because uh i don't think based on i don't think with my skill level i really don't think i can get through that section of the race and so i think i'm just gonna have to hang her up i put in a lot of time with it i had fun while it lasted I just don't think I can get through that track. I don't think trying it for the 900th time <laughs> is is going to make a difference, to be quite honest with you. So I'm hanging her up. We, well, we, we can't beat them all. Uh, it's not a good feeling when you're at the point in a racing game where you're looking up the fact. Because, I mean, what's, I what's it going to tell you? It's just going to say, drive better. There's no other answer. <laughs> I know. I was like, is there a, sh- maybe there's a shortcut. There's not been a shortcut in the game to this point, by the way. <laughs> but I was like, there's got to be one. This is too hard. There has to be another way. Turns out there's not. So. Uh, you're going you're gonna to look it up and the guide's going to say, well, if you hold triangle, that's the second <laughs> gas pedal, but you go twice as fast. Oh, I didn't know oh, that this whole time. Beautiful. I would know in my luck, it would be like, you can shoot other racers. <laughs> like, I didn't even know it was a car combat game. That would be what I would find out. Um, but on, on those same lines, I want to I want to jump to this real quick. I've also been playing the um, the Trauma Center New Blood. Ah, yes. I talked about uh, last week. Yeah, they're on the or last episode. They're on the Wii doing some doing some Wii surgeries, and I like to do, I like to get pretty liquored up to do it because then <laughs> it's kind of fun to say that you you removed uh, you know shards of glass from somebody's sternum while you were two sheets under the wind or whatever people say when they're drunk. But um, it got really hard. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to sober up to do surgery like a real doctor. (laughs) And uh, that did not help. So this game is, it's very picky and time sensitive. You can't imagine how tedious it is. I mean, you play it. Yeah, I know exactly. Not this particular version, but I I know what you're experiencing. So you you beat these games. I'm assuming, knowing you being uh, a pretty skilled gamer, you probably beat this on the normal difficulty. I I imagine so. Only because I don't really ever set things to easy, and I would probably remember it Mm -hmm. if I did. I don't either. This was actually a first Mm -hmm. for me. Because normally, if if I get so frustrated that I can't beat it on normal, I usually just give up. I don't even try it on easy (laughs) for some reason, which I should do. Yeah, you should drop it down. I'm too much of a baby. Um, and I guess maybe I had this like internal rule set that like beating it on anything other than normal was sort of would not count for me personally. I don't care what everybody else yeah. does. That's fine. Beat it with cheat codes. I don't give a fuck. Yep. But for me, I was like, I usually don't count it unless I beat it the right way. But for this one, I was so interested in the story, but I couldn't get past a couple of the surgeries. They're really picky. Mm. Like so picky. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I just want to enjoy this. So I dropped it down to easy. And honestly, I'm coming in like I'm barely making it like every time. So it's a good thing that I did it. 
but yeah, I just I wanted to get your opinion on or maybe get what you what you typically do in a situation if you ever dropped down the difficulty uh, to get through a game or if you if you personally counted it if you did do that. I would definitely still count it if I did. There was I mean, I've gone through like sort of all layers of feeling on this. I've I've been kind of the like uh, I'm not going to mince words. I'm in the the shithead about it where I've been like, "Oh, you're playing on easy. That doesn't even count as a game if you're playing it on easy." And and that's a <laughs> that's a terrible mentality to have. It's not something I believe at all at this point in my life or have for many many years, but I was certainly there before. Um but no, I'm definitely at a point now where I want to beat games. Obviously, I love getting the beats. That's what I'm all about. But I also want to enjoy games that I'm playing. So if I need right, to drop yeah. it down, I'll just drop it down. With Trauma Center, a game like that, I know exactly what you're going through because it's the type of game where you have like a like a life bar or basically you can make a mistake that doesn't end the game for you but does enough damage where you know you can't do it anymore. And so <laughs> yeah. that's particularly frustrating when you have to like call it yourself and restart before you actually fully fail. So I hate that. Yeah. No, just, just drop, drop games down to easy. And then as, as yeah. a side note for any developers out there, just don't have trophies tied to difficulty. Just let me get all the trophies on easy. Cause why are you trying to gate people out of getting their trophies? Come on now. Come on now. That's right. Well, and another thing too, I like that this game does this. It's mission based. So every time you get get a new surgery, you get, you know, but you get to select the difficulty every time. So if I, by dropping or changing the difficulty, a lot of games don't let you change the difficulty at all once you're in it. Yeah. yeah. They're like, all right, this is it, buddy. And maybe there's some reason for that based on the type of game it is. I don't really know. But I like this one in that it's like, yeah, you drop down. If you're having a little trouble, drop it down to easy. And then maybe next time you drop it back up, kick it back up. So I do like the options, but I'm I'm kicking her through on easy because uh, I don't think any more people should die on my watch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you even went through all the effort of sobering up and it still wasn't helping. So. I know. Did not, did not. If anything, I was worse because I was nervous. Mm. Well, maybe you should get drunk again. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right, so I was really hoping, I was doing some fast math in my head. And I was really hoping that the name of the game was either going to be Outrun 2007 or that we would be recording this in the year 2019. Because I was going to be like, so, you know, 2007, that's 13 years ago. Speaking of the number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been a good segment. It still is good because I forced it in there. But yeah. <laughs> but yes, I've been playing 13 Sentinels. Uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim is the full name of the game. And, oh, man, this game really caught me by surprise. So I don't want to. I don't want to make assumptions about the type of person you are, but is it fair to say you don't know anything about this game? <laughs> uh, you are right. I know that it's nominated based on its story for a, for a game award, so I know that about okay. it. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. So it's at its core, it's a visual novel, and it's called 13 Sentinels because there's 13 different main characters, and you experience the story through each of their 13 perspectives. Uh, and then... Th- added on top of that there's kind of like a strategy rpg thing that is sort of not really the intention but the story in this game is freaking bananas it's so it 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 takes like every sci-fi trope and like mashes them all into one really well written story with a ton of complexity a ton of weird stuff happening it's just oh it's absolutely wild did you ever did you ever watch lost yeah unfortunately i did Unfortunately, I love Lost. Are you not a Lost fan? Well, I like, I like the first like three seasons, 
Okay. Well, this this will still work on you then. Okay. We can talk okay. about that in our Lost podcast some other time. <laughs> sure, but sure. Imagine Lost, especially in those first couple of seasons where there's all this like weird stuff happening, all these mysteries going on. And then imagine that you could play through or watch through Lost from the perspective of every character simultaneously. Like, and they all have their mm. own stories going on. They all have their own mysteries. So, you know, there's this like larger mystery that is sort of involved these mecha and things. But then every individual character kind of has their own narrative hook. One of them is like stuck in a time loop. One of them is being talked to uh, through their TV by a celebrity. One of them is taking orders from a cat that can speak. And like hmm. none of that stuff makes sense, but then it all kind of does make sense it's it's, su- it's super well done it's super addicting story hmm. um if, if anyone's individual like novels, i cannot cannot recommend 13 sentinels enough if you like i don't know steins gate or danganronpa or anything you, you'll like this one hmm. i feel like that title doesn't do a whole lot for me i couldn't even tell you what kind of game it is based on that i mean not that you can look at shadow gate know that that's <laughs> not about shadows or gates but yeah, so I mean, it's it's fun to hear a little bit more about it because uh, I've I've seen some hype and don't really know what to expect. So very good. What are you playing that on? Uh, PS4. It's also worth mentioning PS4. that this is the most recent game from Vanillaware. So the people that did Dragon's Crown, Odin Sphere. So it's also like unbelievably gorgeous visually at the same time. That's one I got I got to put on the list. It's it's dev- I think I said this last time when it was on the uh, in our coming soon thing. I was like, this is just a title of a game that I would skip right over. I'd be like, that's probably about, that's probably a mech game where I'm, where I am a mech shooting <laughs> cities and I'm not really as into those. Uh, There's just something about that title that doesn't, doesn't do it for me, but I'm saying it's good. I so. mean, it's literally split into two sections that you choose from the main menu. There's all the visual novel stuff that I just talked about. And then there is a mech battling sim in cities where you it. basically play like front mission style battles in a city and you you actually have to hop between the two because progressing into certain levels of missions in those battles will unlock new storylines and characters in the main story. So you you do a little of both. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I can get over my hate of mechs just enough for this, I think. We'll see. Mm. Uh, the last little game here that I'll add is uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Ooh. They're on the old DS. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, you know, have, you, have you played a DS lately? Oh, gosh. I've played a 3DS a lot lately, but not an actual DS, no. Like, have you have you held a DS game and been, like, impressed with how big it is? Or how big it's... Because you've played a Switch? How big it's not? Or the actual how big it is? How big it is, because I've been I've been dabbling with the Switch for the last couple of years, and then I pulled out the old DS, and I was like, what the fuck is this VHS tape? <laughs> it's huge. It's like the size of a regular SD card. <laughs> I know, but it's massive. Pick up a Switch game and then pick up a DS game and you'll you'll your hand will hit the floor. You'll be like, oh, it's so heavy. Oh my god. Are you sure you weren't just standing so really close to it so it seemed really big? <laughs> I had it zoomed all the way in on my computer. Yeah. Wow, it's huge. It. Uh no, I was I was actually taken aback by how big huh. it was. Um yeah. I'm gonna have to get my wife to hold some some Switch games too. Uh so I like this one because it's it's you know, it's the it's in the, the whole uh, Mario RPG. Uh, I guess franchise. I don't know if it's linearly related. I don't really care. But basically, you are uh, Mario and Luigi and Bowser. You get to play as Bowser a little bit in this one. Bowser's on the top screen. Mario and Luigi are on the bottom, and you uh, run around do some RPG stuff. And it has the whole Paper Mario like, um, you know, when you're when you're attacking, 
in the in your battle scene, you you get to interact with it a little bit by timing your mm-hmm. your button presses with the attacks, and I just love that stuff. It's 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 a lot more engaging than your typical, you know, menu based push attack and then they do some crazy fiery spell thing that you don't really influence all that much. So I like this a lot. And, uh, I, I'm, I got going in it and then looked up how long it would take for me to beat, And I was impressed with how long this one is. It's supposed to run me about 25 hours. And, uh, I did not, I don't know if I'm ready for that because it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of things going on. Mm. I was surprised with how much is involved in this one. I got to, you have to move Mario and Luigi at the same time and you have to balance, you know, Bowser's dumbass up there. And I don't know. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot to to play with while you're also trying to watch FBI files. I guess is what I'm saying. So we'll see, we'll see how far I get. If you don't mind my asking, what inspired you to start playing this game? I've always I, I liked that um, I liked Paper Mario and I liked Super Mario RPG, and I think it's the only other one that I have that's like that. And I, I was kind of jonesing for it. That's that's the biggest reason. Okay, so you've never played Superstar Saga or Partners in Time? No. No, don't don't have those either. Uh, I am getting, or maybe one day, I know Musty's holding it for me. A thousand year door there on the old GameCube. I'll have to sell my child to to get it, but um, that'd be one I'm looking to play at some point. That one just keeps going up and up and up. You need you need to lock in whatever price you're getting that at because <laughs> I need to. That, yeah, that thing just keeps exploding. Yeah, right on. But yeah, it's it's fun enough. I I mean, it's Mario stuff. Mm-hmm. What can you do? I love those games. I've I haven't played much Inside Story, but I've. I played the other two in that series, and they're a lot of fun. Okay, let's plug ourselves because it feels so good. Folks, if you like what you're hearing so far, and God, I can only hope, but be sure to head on over to our website at polykill.com for more shows, not just of Polykill. Lord knows you found that one. You know how to find more of these shitty things, but there's other podcasts out there, maybe less shitty ones. Who knows? Depends on what you think. Uh, but, you know, you maybe you can find Drunk Friend over there. That's where uh, me and Alex of SNES Drunk Acclaim there. We, we uh, talk to one another there for a little bit, bore you a little bit there. And then we sometimes will interview someone cool, like John Riggs or uh, or Summoning Salt or Genovi or Pam from Cannot Be Tamed. All kinds of cool stuff on there. We recently just had another host of a podcast on our network on that was michelle of pd's power hour she she was just on an episode so be sure to check out that episode of drunk friend and then check out her podcast pd's power hour if you have any interest at all at learning a little bit more about the alcohols that uh, a lot of us out there are drinking uh an informative show on uh different alcoholic beverages from around the world you'll get from that also we have tales of the lesser medium that's the one i'm specifically proud of because uh, i do a lot of work on it caleb uh, j ross helps me out and we uh we goof off we do uh we did a little goofing on some video game narratives and it's a it's a point of pride for me so please check it out I'll, I'll cry if i find out that you didn't and then there's also off kilter which is basically a game show i think at this point uh as a podcast and it's a lot of fun so check those out oh an indie quest steve tell them all about it i was i was gonna i was gonna make fun of you for, uh, for missing my baby there but yes i didn't have it uh let me go ahead and type it in here there it is buddy <laughs> But yes, there's also Indie Quest, which is an exploration of all things indie games. Every episode, we talk about a couple of different ones, and we sort of prioritize them for you. So if you don't know, you know, you want to get into some indie games, but you don't know what ones are kind of top of the priority list, well, listen to that show, and me and Frantic will give you a little insight. Hell yeah, you will. Mm-hmm. While you're listening to that, you're probably on Apple Podcasts, or... I don't know, Stitcher. Where, where do people listen to podcasts? Wherever they listen to podcasts. 
I have no idea what people do, man. Yeah, I, wherever you're listening to this, you found us somewhere. And on that platform, I would like you to open it up and I would like you to click the equivalent of five stars because we do a five star <laughs> job and I would like to have that represented physically or maybe digitally, I guess is more accurate to say. Um, uh, I'll be honest, though. I, I wouldn't mind it physically as well. If you can make that happen, maybe give us a little five-star physical, yeah, whatever you can do. If you can uh, di- digital's fine. dig though. up some addresses to send them to and want to mail any of us five golden stars, by all <laughs> means, please do. We appreciate that. It right helps on. the show. It helps our emotional state. And just in general, it makes you feel good because you did something small that helped us in a big way. You can also go over That's to right. polykill.com. And click the merch section for all sorts of different merchandise. T-shirts, mugs, whatever it is that you want to get. You want to get Traff's face on a mug? If you are if you ask for it and you pay probably like $19.99, you'll get it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, there's probably a lot of stuff on there that we don't have that we should. So if there is something on there that you would like, maybe one of these shows here I mentioned earlier in some form or another uh, on something that you want to consume, hold, or pack on your back, like a backpack or some bullshit, I don't know, uh, let us know. We'll make it happen. Uh, Polykill, we also have a Patreon, so if you... If you want to, you know, throw money at that old thing, it really does help us out. Um, keeps the website going, keeps keeps all these podcasts up and running, keeps all the software good and going. It's uh, it goes a long way. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you throw a dollar at us, at least you get in there on that old Discord, and uh, you can hang out with Steve and I, and uh, watch just people just constantly just chide me over bullshit. I am I am bullied constantly in my own Discord, uh, and I might actually delete it soon. So get in there while it's still around. And, uh, yeah, you, you could help out the show. We'd appreciate it. A shout-out to the Polykill Discord as well. I, I know having a Discord is a relatively common thing in the world, and people want to start up Discord so that their their community, whoever can go to it, and then it kind of is just like a ghost town. Oh, my God, not the Polykill Discord. I frequently get annoyed at the number of push notifications I'm getting. <laughs> and I could just turn them off, but I don't want to. It is an extremely active Discord full of very cool people. So you are you are actively missing out if you are not a part of it. So please join. I do like that uh, your, your selling point is that if you'd like to be really annoyed in another way, please check out the Polycount Discord. It's an abundance of riches. I like it. There you go. Uh, if you want to reach out to the show, you can do so via email at polykillpodcast at gmail.com and uh, ask us a question. You might just get it read on the show. In fact... Our discussion later on will, in fact, be an email that we got sent to polykillpodcast at gmail.com as proof that it works. It does work. And we did not pay that man to do that thing. No. Twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, please. We, we'd like to actually read more emails out on the show. It works well for Drunk Friend. It can work well for IndieQuest. It can work well for any of our shows. PD also accepts emails for her show. So please do that. Uh, interact with us. We like it. It gives us stuff to talk about. Otherwise, uh, we're just looking at spreadsheets and playing video games all week and just manufacturing bullshit to say to one another. Like right now, moving into the credits section, I had to play a game just so that I could have something to talk about. And I played Christmas Night's into dreams yeah. uh blink i need i'm gonna have to ask you have you played have you played the proper nights into dreams there on the old side i have played them both i actually have a tradition of for the last two or three years playing through christmas nights into dreams right around christmas time i know it's a relatively common mm. tradition to have in the retro community but yeah it's a perfect game to pop in on the 24th if you have some free time well, here's two things I didn't know about it. One, uh, I didn't know that was a tradition at all. No one included me in on it. No one sent that email to polygopodcast.gmail.com. And uh, I also didn't know 
it would it would take less than a full glass of boozy eggnog to finish. Yeah, I tell you, buddy, it's it's a nothing. I yeah, I poured me a tall knock me on my ass glass of of boozy eggnog. I mean, I was really I was kind of cluing keying in on a heart attack there. I was like, let's get it, let's get her done tonight. And uh, I said, you know what would be cool? I just picked up this game. I picked up the physical edition of of <laughs> I have a separate note sheet here. And I realized that I didn't spell Christmas all the way. I put Christ nights into <laughs> dreams, which that's a different, that's a, that's Easter. Um, so, so anyway, I, uh, I had, uh, I pulled that out because I, I have the, the old, you know, the, the Japanese Saturn disc and, uh, it's the only one that I have that's not an English or an English Saturn. That's not a, a North American Saturn disc. You know what I'm saying? So one of the CD jewel case ones and, uh, Sega Saturn's on the, on the side in tan. Mm-hmm. I'm proving that I have this thing. I don't know why I'm going through all these links, but I do have this. So I said, let's put her in there. Let's give her an old, an old whirl. And I have the free Saturn thing. I don't know if you even need it for this one, but you know what I'm talking about? Like there's a cartridge you can put in the back of your Saturn that lets you play imports. Yeah. I have the action replay, but I think there's a couple of devices that do that. Yeah. Yeah, so I got to break that out for the first time, Ooh. give that a try. And I was gearing up. I was like, look, hey, let me see if I can get myself into the Snuggie, hold my boozy eggnog. Let's get a cat on me. Let's get these Let's get these foot feets warmed up. And I'm ready to cozy in for a couple hours of gaming. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I had not played Nights into Dreams, can't afford it. But I thought this could be fun. Maybe it would convince me more to, to get Nights into Dreams if I liked it. But uh, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. But I got a, I got a hey, you did it. After about a half an hour, <laughs> I was like, all right, so shit, I got to get up, get another disc, get all these cats off of me. And get this. <laughs> I think I have my leg in the armhole of the, of the, snug, of the Snuggie. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It was rough. It was a lot shorter than I thought. But, uh, well, hey, we got credits. Counts. There you go. That's a fun game. Whenever I think of Knights, I always think to myself, this type of game, it just does not exist in 2020. Like, it is so uniquely, weirdly of its time. And just so, like, what am I doing? This is so random. And I love that about it. It's so good. Yeah, it's like side-scrolling pinball or something. That's a good way to describe it. I like yeah, that. It's weird. But it was fun. I, I mean, like you said, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing for the first, like, I was going to say half an hour, but that was the whole time I played it. For like the the first like 10 minutes, I was like, am I doing good? I think I'm doing good. That's not mad at me. Okay. Let's just keep doing what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So it would probably help if I had played the proper version, but I had not. It It's uh yeah, it's just a reskin of the first world of the, the actual game. Mm. But that's what makes it a perfect Christmas game because, you know, you do everything. Maybe you go visit your, your family or something on Christmas. You come home that night after gifts and eating good food and you have a couple hours before bed this is me speaking with no kids i don't have to prep anything and and you're like oh i got just enough time to play a little something christmas nights into dreams slots right in slots right in but uh all right i beat an older boy here too this was another one that we did on the stream <laughs> ducktales like how we just flippantly refer to our games like it's just child abuse but <laughs> yeah you did beat you did beat an older boy um, which is good. Yeah, beat, beats maybe not the best word, but we're here now. This is our life. <laughs> I flogged a young a young we, man. We can't change it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ducktales, man, that's great. That, this can't be your first time beating Ducktales, can it? This is well, I beat the twenty 
I shouldn't have started a year when I don't know when it came out. The 20-aught <laughs> remaster. <laughs> the, the one that came out by WayForward not too many years ago. Uh-huh. I beat that one and it was good. So this is my first time playing the or playing through the original version. And oh, I mean, the music in this game, it's just it's just all about the music in this game. I mean, the game is fun enough, I liked it. Uh, but at first it was actually kind of hard for me. I I felt a little I felt a little lesser cuz I was playing and I was I was just dying. I was oh just dying. God. But then yeah. I hit that moon stage, you know, I let the power of the moon theme take me and I kind of hit my stride. I don't know, like I I poked into each level just enough, failed, was doing bad. And then it sort of just like all clicked for me and I had one amazing run where I was able to go all the way through. So, hell yeah, dude. I, Hard pressed to recommend DuckTales on the NES in 2020, but I certainly would. It's a fun platformer. I I liked it. I I did the reverse of you. I didn't play it as a kid. I played it. I got it for a birthday gift, uh, as a birthday gift from my wife. Uh, I don't know, sometime probably right around the time the remaster came out. To be honest, and uh, so I played it, and uh, I liked it. I think you know, the first run was a little rocky, and then I did a second run where I just I did a no deather, did a no deather. I don't normally do that, but I, I was feeling it. And uh, I tried to play the remaster after that and couldn't. It was too different. I was too fresh, too fresh off the ridge. And it was there was something different enough about the way that it worked that was just throwing me off. Interesting. I couldn't do it. So I bet I could go back now and probably enjoy it. But at the time, I was maybe like a couple weeks removed. And I was like, oh, this was fun. I'm going to see if I can, you know, no death this one too. That'd be great. Nah, couldn't get very <laughs> far at all. But yeah, I think it's a great game. I mean, the music is fantastic. And um, actually, I... I don't know if you're familiar. There's a at Magfest. I always go there to see this one group, and I've I've seen them outside of Magfest as well. They're called Bit Brigade. I think I've talked about them here on the podcast before, long ago. But uh, basically, they they have a guy, uh, their front man, so to speak, their quote unquote what you would consider a singer is actually just uh, he's playing the game on stage. He's doing a, a speed run, hmm. and the band around him is playing the level music as he's going through oh, it. They'll cool. play all the transition music and stuff like that, do all that stuff live. And that was one that they had done, and uh, it was it was fantastic. It was great. I mean, it's great music live. It jams pretty hard, and I, it's it's nostalgic as, as all get out. So, big fan of DuckTales, and I want to tell you, man, I think DuckTales 2, a lot of people won't, don't want to believe this because they're so attached to that original. It was so ubiquitous, and then every, I mean, most, most children played the, that game. Um, but DuckTales 2 is, is far, far, far superior. It's a great game. It really? feels better to play. The levels are structured a little bit better. The first one's got a lot of, like, a lot of slowdown moments because you kind of like that bouncy mechanic. Mm-hmm. You just want to hop around. And you get kind of hooked on that. The second one, I think, does a little bit better job about uh, making that flow a little bit through the levels. So Too bad that game is so tragically expensive that I'll never play it. But I, I'd love yeah, to get around yeah. to it at some point. Yeah, I lucked out on the ownership. I would say, in the words of, of Alex uh, Snestrunk, our buddy, uh, play that one any way you can. Mm. That's what he would say. So it's a nice way of wording that. But while we're on the subject, I did crank through one other NES game here. This one has plagued me for a long time. It's Marble Madness on the NES. And I think most people think of this as a quick beat. This is the type of game that I would it I is. would think of you playing the morning that we record a podcast because you're nervous that you're not going to have any beats to show for it. 100%. But for some reason, my whole life, I've never been able to get through this game. I always get to that last screen where there's these like bridges like bridge. that are kind of like building uh. on top of each other. And you have to play perfectly and have memorized all the pieces of this bridge in order to get through. I didn't even know at the time until I beat it that that was the last screen. I just knew of it as the (laughs) thing that stopped me. And so I tried a couple different nights to get through it and I I couldn't do it because 
sort of like trauma center like we were talking about before it's a game where your successes or your failures build on each other because some of your time from the previous Mm -hmm. stage carries into the next if you don't have a good run consistently through you're not even going to have the time to attempt this last section but i found i found the strategy to get past this do it in co-op so leah and i played marble madness on stream together and we were we were doing the two-player mode and you get a little extra bonus time when you're working together. They, they're a little more generous with you. So hmm. I was able to, she died like a stage earlier or something. And I was able to basically bounce off of her marble's corpse with a little extra bonus time in order to succeed <laughs> and finally beat this game. It felt, it felt good. It felt like a, a weight was lifted after a long time. Nice. Yeah, man. That's, I'm surprised. You, I mean, you're a very skilled gamer. Again, I, I think you could beat that. Maybe that was a good practice run. I think you could. I think you could roll a solo on that gig. I, I, based on what I've seen, I think I could. And it's honestly just that it's always been a game that I've popped in and goofed around with. But I've not until this time did I ever really say to myself, "I'm going to beat Marble Madness." So it was sort of just learning all the levels. I really do think in five minutes you can knock it out. Like I remember when I, when I first sat down to focus on it, it was the, you know, you do the trial and error, like, okay, there's my strat for this level strat for this er at level strung it all together. And I, I, that bridge level that you're talking about, just thinking about that, like my asshole's so tight right now, just (laughs) thinking about it. Like there's so many tense. It's, uh, it's like, you have to nail it. You gotta, you know, uh, go and send that marble and do it, do it just right across the bridge. And uh, the euphoria of beating a game that takes five minutes. I don't think there's another game out there where beating a game that short makes you feel as badass as it does with that one. There's something about about it. And the music kicks. Oh, I love the music. Marvel oh, Madness. my gosh, the music. 10 out of 10. You know, there's probably a reason that we both like it. It's it's not that far off from Super Meat Boy DNA, now that I'm thinking about You're it. You're right. Right? It's really densely difficult, but really short levels. And mm-hmm. it's just you practice and practice until you get that, that sweet, sweet execution. And then it's mm. nothing but euphoria to follow. Right on, buddy. I'm glad you beat, you beat two really good classic NES boys on here. They're both part of they're They're in the Nest friend lineup. They're already covered, but uh, they're great. Mm. I love them. Trying to make you proud. Hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Hey, l- listen to this though. Uh, here's something to make you proud. I finished another Spyro. Ooh, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing it's second the second one. one. You, you're damn right. I played them in order. <laughs> As you would, uh, it's it's good. It's a thicker boy. I'll mm-hmm. say that it's it's two C's and boy with an I. It's thicker boy uh, than the first one. A lot more character. I had fun. I, I love a lot of the characters and even a lot of the enemies. It's just their goofy looking faces in that remaster. I don't know if it looked like that on the PS One, but they they did a really good job of just giving those characters just a cute aloofness when you're beating the shit out of them. <laughs> I love it. They they do look like that in the NES one or NES one in the PS one version. The only difference is they have that weird warping texture that every PS one game has. Oh right, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, th- this one has you know, tons of interesting boss battles. The levels are huge, and I, I I might even say that the layout of the levels might even be a tad confusing. There's portals all over the place. I was like, have I been there? Have I done this one? I can't remember if I what was that one. If mm. I bit do if I go in here, do I leave this whole seg? Am I in a level right now? Like there was a lo- there was a lot of that going on. But again, I'm I'm also trying to watch FBI files while I'm doing this, so it's kind of tough to keep everything in track. But uh, I'm I'm going to take a break before I jump into the third one. I don't want to get any burnout. I've enjoyed them certainly, but I, I might switch over at some point and tackle uh, something like 
I've been wanting to play that Stranger Things game on the Switch, oh, so I okay. might I might jump into that and then bounce back out and finish Spyro Three. But uh, but yeah, I, what a fun series! I I I thought I had maybe grown past the point where I could enjoy a collectathon. Ah, uh, but I'm happy I'm wrong. I've enjoyed these. They're good, good, too. mindless little fun. Yeah, collectathons are so good. You, you cut me deep a little when you said that, but I'm glad that you you came around in the end. I think I had played some, and I could I can't name them right now. But in the past few years, that didn't hook me, and I blamed the whole genre. Oh, uh, but Spyro has has something about it. It's just fun to play, and so you it doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're moving around the levels. You're having fun. It's good to save it. I, those types of games, and Spyro in particular, they're the perfect game to keep in the chamber for when you don't know what you want to play or you want something lighthearted and easy because you can always pop in a spyro like you're you're never not going to be able to have some fun with a spyro game so save it for when you need it that's good stuff oh yeah uh, quick question have you played the ones like the uh i think there's some like game boy advance ones and some of those maybe even some spinoffs have you played the whole canon no i've i've done the three that everybody's done and then there's a couple that I've wanted to play, like Dawn of the Dragon I've heard is good, and The Eternal Knight I've heard is good, but I never went any any deeper on any of like the GameCube or PS2 ones or handheld gotcha. ones. Cool, cool. Just curious. Um, and I'll go ahead and jump into my last one, because I'm curious. I think people have heard about Vandal Hearts, and I'm curious to hear what you thought about this uh, one you're going to talk about. So I did uh, finally get around on Vandal Hearts, and... Um, I think I talked a little bit last time how uh, I got real kind of stuck there in the middle, and I was like, this game got hard all of a sudden. <laughs> and I was worried that was going to be there all the time. I was like, this game is just going to be hard until the end, which sucked because in the Discord, people were like, oh, you enjoying it? That's one of the easiest games I've ever played in my life. Oh. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's super easy. Um, but meanwhile, I'm like, I don't know. It's tough. I might just have to tell them I beat it and then just move and change my name or something. <laughs> but uh, it turned out just to be those two levels. I coasted all the way through to the end, and I don't hate that. I don't need a challenge all the way through. I was having fun. Uh, it wasn't like I was, you know, winning each, you know, battle, you know, so convincingly that it was boring. I mean, I had to had to strategize, but it was rewarding to kind of come away victorious more times than not. I hate setbacks in games like that where you you strategize for forty minutes and then you're like, oh, that very first move I did was bad. Okay. Well, let's run it back and try her again. Uh, I kind of liked going through it and, and having success, so it doesn't really bother me that it was a little bit easier. And I'm finding now between that and uh, the the whole trauma center thing is, uh, I just need to either need to get good or uh, maybe I just like easy games right now. I don't know what it is. I'm I'm being challenged a lot at work, so maybe maybe easy games is where I'm at. But I did enjoy it. I would heavily recommend Vandal Hearts to anyone who wants a I would say introductory experience into the uh isometric 3d cover-based tactical strategy genre if you will uh because it looks great it holds up in that regard a lot which is great for the ps1 like it's just it, it still holds up in that way um it doesn't a lot of people won't like this about it but it totally streamlines the whole go to the town talk to the people thing that is all done in a menu like hmm. you just say do you want to go to the town? Yes. Okay. Do you want to go to the inn? You click yes. And it's like, who do you want to talk to in the inn? Jim, Teddy, uh, Bob, or leave? And you're like, oh, so let's talk to Teddy. And then Teddy's little face pops up and he's like, 
monsters and then there are mountains. You're like, yeah, cool, thanks, Daddy. And you, you click <laughs> out of that and you go to that. So you don't have to like scoot around the town and talk to people, which I know people like that, but it streamlined it for me. Not Hardly any of that information fucking matters. I don't need to travel all the way across the town to talk to a guy that's going to tell me nothing I need to know about. So I like that about it for better or for worse. So it's it's uh, I thought it was fun. Good story. Did the did the story do much to carry you through, or are you more there for the battles? Yeah, the, there were some story moments there that I thought were neat because uh, they it'll take some characters away and give them back, and and t- some will flip and stuff like that. So it was kind of interesting, but because uh, you get attached to them and you're like, oh, now they're yeah. a dick. That sucks. Uh, mm. But it was. I mean, it's pretty cheesy. Oh yeah, that's okay. Che- cheesy can be good. I'm I'm all, I'm all right with that. Yeah. All right. I beat one other game too, three apiece. That's only fair. You know, we split them evenly this time. I've played through the Panzer Dragoon remake. So it's another one where Limited Run did a physical edition that just arrived, got it on the Switch. And I have played the original Saturn Panzer Dragoon, but I wanted to check out the remake, see what it was like. And for some reason, when I got it, I I got nervous because I thought I remembered hearing buzz of it not being a very good remake. I don't know if I'm misremembering that or maybe it had a rough launch and has been patched or something like that. But I played it in. I thought it played great. I mean, hmm. maybe it's a little bit fuzzy visually here and there, but ran smooth, played good. It was still just like that classic rail shooting Panzer Dragoon style. I, a lot of fun. Panzer Dragoon is the perfect I have. It's like a Star Fox, right? It's the perfect mm-hmm. I have 45 minutes to an hour. I want to play something relatively engaging. Uh, and, and I just want to get through it. And that's always been what that game is for me. So. I think they did a pretty good job with this remake. Have you played this or the original? I just got this one in the mail. I haven't played it yet. Mm. I'm excited to play it because um, I have beaten the second one on Saturn. That's that's a proud piece of the collection. Nice. But the first one, which I have played, I cannot get past the fifth level. There's oh, a, yeah, I have a, have a tough time with that boss. Uh, a couple tries, I've not I've not been able to to get past him. So I'm hoping maybe maybe uh, have some more success on the remake. I don't know. I don't know the first one intimately enough to know if this has been like dialed down or the enemy patterns have been changed at all. I don't think they have been, but I was able to get through it without breaking too much of a sweat. So I'm I'm confident that you'll be able to make your way through too. Cool. And I mean, I usually have no issues up to that point, and then I'm like, oh, and I'm dead, boo. So, <laughs> boo. I don't know. That's one thing I'm impressed sometimes. with, and this I just don't see games do this anymore. When you beat the game. You unlock a push button cheat code. Like at the end of the credits, they say, enter this combination on the start screen to unlock the cheat menu. And that's cool. I was like, when did, why do people stop doing that? Where do cheats go? I want cheats back. Like cheats I was, are fun. I, I was so happy. I was surprised to be nostalgic, to be entering in a cheat code. It helps that it's, they basically did like, generic store brand konami code so it was a, a cheat code i was familiar <laughs> with but i don't know it it's a little thing but it was just so novel to to have to type one in yeah i missed that with all my heart to be quite honest with you i've wondered if they do it now because uh trophies or trophies and achievements are so important to people that they don't want people to cheat to get them but I'm like, well, maybe maybe make it so that you know, if you enter the cheat code and you and you play the game that way, maybe you just don't get the achievements. You know, if that's if that's what yeah. your problem is. So, I don't know. But I do like that. I, I like a little throwback like that. So that's fun. I like hearing that. Yeah, they got some cool stuff. You can play with invincibility. You can play the game at double speed. So it's cool. <laughs>
so we beat a couple games apiece. Let's see what these big beater boys did, and let me tell you, I'll let you tell me. You're the one that looked at all this. Uh, these guys slugging it out. Yes, it's a battle of the titans here. It's incredible. You love to see it. You love to see it because I feel like, you know, sometimes you just miss out on, on the glory around you, you know? I was I was a little maybe too young to enjoy Jordan and Bird. It was not in boxing. Uh, I wasn't alive when Frazier and Ali were going at it. Uh, so, I, you know, I miss a lot of these heavyweight bouts that, that people always talk about and fondly remember. But I'm here for this one. I'm here for Corpse Flood, and I'm here for Round 2 Gaming. Uh, seeing these guys go at it. And what was incredible about this is I feel like both of them were going for Polykiller. I think Corpse Flood was trying to make a statement on his way back. And uh, Dean was was holding him, you know, just keeping it going, keeping it plowing through. And we ended up, we had a, an epic tie. I mean, it's happened before, but not with this many games. This is a big boy tie. You don't You don't expect when you beat 12 games that you're going to be in direct competition for the polykiller. If I ever beat 12 games, I'm thinking easy polykiller week. Mm. I, I've got this. I, I overshot it by six games, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have saved some of these for polykiller next time. Yeah. But no. no, these two guys just beating and beating and beating. So let's get into it here. Uh, let's actually, let's start with Dean before we get back into the big return of, of well, he was back last time, but he, he wasn't a polykill last time. But uh, we got Dean here, round, underscore, two, underscore, game, and get on Twitter. He has beaten Unravel, cute little yarn game there, uh, Mutant Ear Zero, Road to Eden, The Gardens Between, Her Story, not The Gardens Between, Her Story, that would be weird, but The Gardens Between, comma, Her Story there, uh, Florence, Wonder Song, Hellblade, Sinu with Sacrifice, Tetris Effect Connected, uh, Alvastia Chronicles. Almost said Alta Vista. Wasn't that a search engine back in the late 90s? Uh, Momodora, Reverie Under the Moonlight, Unravel 2, and Control. Good group of games there. Some of them kind of stout. Not too bad. Way to go, round two. Corpse Flood comes in strong, too. I feel like both of these, both of these champions here... You know, they're stepping out of the ring. We're looking at their scoreboard. And I feel like both of their list of beats are representative of the type of people that they are, the type of beaters that they are. You know, I look at that and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's a round two gaming list if I've ever seen one. And same way Mm -hmm. here. I'm thinking this is a Corpse Flood gaming list. We have Extreme Ghostbusters Code Ecto-1, a game I have never heard of and could not tell from the screenshot what system it's on. (laughs) Streets of Camarocho, Gunsmoke. Blair Witch, My Friend Pedro, Samurai Aces, Gun Barich, Barik, something like that, Tengai, Samurai Aces 3, Biolab Wars, Battle Back Raid, and Blood Bros. A lot of B games in there. Battle Back Raid. <laughs> that, was, that was incredible. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you. That's, that's just a, a corpse flood crop of games mm-hmm. right there. Let's get into some of these tweets. I'll start off. First one here is actually from the man himself, Corpse Flood, at Corpse Flood there on Twitter. He says, 125 Samurai Aces finally cracked into the Sikyo Shooting Stars Bravo Collection. Is that how you say that, by the way, Steve? Sikyo? Psycho? I say Psycho. Psycho. That's a company. Uh, Psycho Shooting <laughs> Stars Bravo Collection, and am prepared to lay waste to it in similar fashion to Alpha. And this was the first victim. Nice sprite work and a variety of ships, but forgettable. Tell you what's not forgettable, that this is just beat at number 125 for the year. 125 oh, that's, that's games what that beat. Meant. That is. Okay. Whew. 
Way to go, Corpse Flood. Wow. We have what I believe to be a new beater at Red McKnight, a gamer of two rounds, uh, round two gaming. Hey, Dean, thanks for nudging them our way. Suggested I try this. So here it is. Within 24 hours, I've cleared two games, Quest for Glory 1 on PC and Dynasty Warriors 9 on Xbox One. While each one had particular difficult moments, I enjoyed both a lot. I like the flex of a double header on your first beat tweet. Hell yeah. This is from Stuart Sullivan. Stuart, badass. Thank you. Hats off. And and, and those are uh, bulky, uh, girthy, girthy games. So good job. Uh, up next, we have Lauren at Gizmo's Game Room there. What an emotional experience. I loved guiding so many spirits into the afterlife with my cat companion, <laughs> Daffodil. Um, that sounds like a, like a serial killer uh, combo there. Uh, <laughs> yet I dreaded the reality of letting go when my closest friends were ready to do so. A testament to this medium's beauty, an absolute must play. She's, of course, talking about Spirit Fair there, I believe. And that does look like a cute little game. Uh, except for that giant river of blood I see there, but it seems like a really cute time. I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I also got to give a shout out to Lauren. She always puts two or three really good screenshots alongside mm. the uh, the credits screenshot. So it's just a feel good beat tweet. It's well done. I know a lot of people. You know, maybe the screenshots lost on you through through the. Uh, through the podcast medium here, but I, I would recommend you to just search that hashtag, just beat it there on Twitter and scroll through some of these people do some great work. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have JJS Boyce at JJS Boyce. Just beat it on Jean Dark, a little tactical RPG following a very fictionalized version of the Poop Cell's life. Shades of Final Fantasy tactics here, but it's also very much its own thing. Right down to the use of Studio Ghibli hand-drawn animation for all the cutscenes. Odd and fun. This is one that I've played a bit of and did enjoy, but I've always wanted to go back to. I feel like this is a classic hidden gem for the PSP. A lot of people bring it up in a hidden gem style list. Right on. Yeah. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mr. Boys here, and I, you know, could be, there's been, there's maybe more than one Boys out there, but I believe they have joined our Discord. So hello out there and uh, thanks for joining and good job here beating some games. Yeah. Up next, once again, I mean, hey, if you beat a bunch of games, you get a bunch of tweets in here, right? Corpse Flood, he's back again. He says, Battle Back Raid. I'm back at it with the arcade plug-and-play, and goddamn, there's <laughs> nothing like playing shmups with an arcade stick. Game is a lot of fun. Had to play it through twice because I forgot picks. My what? man. Now that is a flex. Good that God. That is a flex. My man. Just beating the Back Raid right there for us. That, well, I appreciate it for the picks there, but in an out point, they're good picks. I like the one here with the uh, the reflection of the room he's in, and it mm-hmm. looks like uh, they're behind him, a uh, flood of corpses. So, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's the type of picture that'll get submitted to evidence someday. So. <laughs> but no, way to go, and, and I appreciate the, the dedication there. Hell yeah. Finally up, we have our other Titan here, Round 2 Gaming, was in the mood for more mobile goodness, so decided to try out Florence. I love the game so damn much. It's a perfect balance between simplicity and creativity, and I'd recommend this to anyone, gamer or not. And I would second that. I have played this one before. It's about an hour long. It's on any mobile device you can play. Good game. Nice. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I think it's funny that, as you call them, the two titans, they're both... uh, flexing the 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 speech they're like yeah it's so damn good they're like hulk hogan (laughs) in it like it's now like wrestling kayfabe between these two guys they're just 
out there in the middle of the ring with their shirts off, beating their chest, talking about the games they're beating. I love it so much. So good job, dudes, and good job, everyone out there. There's a lot of tweets if you want to see everyone that beat a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, check them out on Twitter. You can you can follow us there, and you can see the whole list. Everyone did a great job. A lot of good stuff out there. So um, let's move into a real quick segment because I think, man, this has turned into a girthy episode, and last time we gave folks uh, a little extra for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're going to give everyone a little extra for that between Thanksgiving Christmas episode before the Christmas episode. So basically, I'm just saying we're getting girthier and girthier, but that's all right. So uh, I told you last time that I was doing a real dumb thing uh, with my collection. Oh, yeah. And I'm still I'm still doing that dumb thing, which is getting all of my collections to a number divisible by five. Why do it? Why not? That's what I ask you when you ask me that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm getting close. I... Uh, I've I've made some ground on some I'm taking the opportunity as much as possible to not get trash games for stats, right? I'm trying to to be very strategic like okay, I'm I'm aiming for cheaper because I have to get a bulk of games right now. I have at this point less than a month and to be honest with you, I don't know <laughs> that it's going to happen. But I'm trying not to just get all of like the hockey games. I'm trying my best <laughs> to get some good stuff. So I only needed one Turbo Graphics game to get to 10. I went after Bonks, right? Good I got call. a good one. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I only needed one 7800 a game. I got a game about hockey. You know what I'm saying? Uh. So like picking my battles here a little bit. What's really going to kill me, there's three systems out there that are that are really going to smoke me. Uh, one is the NES. I'm I'm way too far in at this point. What I have left, what I don't have, it's just pricey boys all the way down the list. Mm. Uh, same with the N64, only like a handful of those. The ones I need are just, you know, I need three and the ones I need, I can get a few that are in the $20 range. That's, that's 60 bucks. I'll say that's a lot of money. That is that's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm trying to nickel and dime my way through this full, you know, this thing. Uh, but the thing that's going to really kill me is the 32 X. I got to get four. I have Ooh. six. I have to, I might just sell one to buy a, an N64 game with or something just to make it work. I don't know, but <laughs> There are not four cheap games on the 32X. No. There's just not. If you already own, like, I think there's a golf game and maybe a it's Tough Man contest on there, I think. Those <laughs> yeah, might be I think the only cheap one. ones. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the Virtua Racing or whatever. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, so I'm kind of screwed. But uh, I got to say, it's a little fun. It's added a little zest to the collecting in that now I'm playing with numbers, right? Like I'm looking at lots. I told you this last time. I'm doing lot math. Got this one. Don't have this one. That What's that equal? Ah, that would give me 11. Fuck that. Can't do it. Like it's really added a wrinkle to collecting that uh, is for whatever reason fun, even though I'm just throwing money. I'm basically taking a bucket of money and dumping it out a window. That's what I feel like I'm doing. Here's what you do. Buy whatever lots you want. And then anything over the multiple of five, put into a package, December 31st, drive down to your post office, mark that package to ship to your address and set it in the mailbox. (laughs) You don't own those games come January 1st. You've met your goal. And then they arrive in the mail. Boom, a gift from yourself from the past. I actually like that idea so much. I might actually do it. I would love for you to do that. I have a collector's question here for. All right, I have a collector's question here for you, and I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of tossed up on how to handle this, and I feel like I'm being silly, but everything we do is silly, and so I'm hoping that you'll just confirm that I'm not being silly. Okay, we're in this weird cross-gen phase. PS4 mm. and PS5 is specifically what I'm talking about here, 
where everything is basically still coming out on PS4. But some of these games are getting like PS5 upgrades. So you buy the PS4 version, you pop it in, it'll patch to the PS5 version. Maybe it has better frame rates, maybe it's 4K, whatever it might be. But it has like a PS5 version that you can get for free. And a lot of these games, Cyberpunk is a perfect example, are only coming out on PS4. Yakuza Like a Dragon is another one where it's only coming out on PS4. But they say, you know, sometime in 2021, we'll release the PS5 version. So there's these games like Yakuza, like Cyberpunk, that I want to play, but I don't want to buy the PS4 version because then I'll have the PS4 case on my shelf, which is not representative of the PS5 version I played. And so with a game like Cyberpunk, I'm like, do I wait on it until I can buy a copy that is in a PlayStation 5 case? Because that is a more accurate representation of what I played, which seems so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) i get it though because part of my collection when it's when it's something that i have beaten part it's it's a library until i've beaten it and then when i've beaten it it's a trophy and the trophy represents what you played and beat so i totally get that i i would as as ridiculous as it is and sounds to you it does to me but i agree with you i would have the same conundrum um and i don't really know the answer i think you know, if I were to think about it logically, like, why do I collect? Is it to have, like, a full set of something? Well, at this point, I don't know that you would get a full set of PS4 games or any PlayStation library. No. There's too fucking many games. So so maybe that's not even uh, a worry about it. So if you're not going to – if it's not going to be the one you play, why have it at that it's, point? It just, it just feels wrong, you know, especially three years from now. You know, maybe someone's visiting and they want to play a game and I'm recommending them to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, go to the game room, grab Yakuza like a dragon off the shelf. They go in. They're going to look at the PS5 shelf. It's not going to be there. It's going to be the PS4 shelf, even though I've never played the PS4 version. Mm. It's just Mm-mm-mm-mm. it's weird. It's and this has never been a problem before, because in previous gens, you could just buy the latest gen version. You know, if a P- game came out on PS3, PS4, you just bought the PS4 version. You were good to go. Good to go. Yeah. Oh, no, you got a good point. Yeah, I think actually I'm for these uh for these newer systems which I I don't I don't plan to own one anytime too soon, but when I do, I think for the new new stuff, I think I'm going to be a digital guy. I, I respect get away that from a lot. I respect digital people, but I will go down with the ship with a smile on my face. That's fizz forever. Well, fizz until I can't. We I don't know why we do this. We're broken. Well, I appreciate you helping me answer that question, which is really you just saying, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough problem to face. Good luck, my man. But uh, I'm here for you. I've got some other questions here for you, too. Are you ready to enter the hot seat, my friend? I got these supple cheeks uh, and they're ready to go. All right. So earlier I was saying I was taking an Instagram quiz that Leah shared with me and I pulled one of the questions from it. I want to know. If you could be any piece of furniture, what would you be and why? Uh, the love seat. It's it's perfect because, one, you can make love on it. It's in the name. I don't know that that's why they named it that, but okay. I don't know why else they would name it that. I mean, it's a little cramped. You have to bend your knees a little bit, and uh, you could really throw your back out if you don't have a good cushion in the right spot. But it's not bad. I like a reclining love seat. I don't like... I'll be honest with you. I like a love seat way more than a couch. More cozy. You can only pick, you know, the middle seat and a couch, kind of pointless. There's no place to lean. I got scoliosis, baby. I got to lean yeah. one direction or another. There's no place to put my drink. I don't have one of those fancy ones where there's, like, sections between each one with a drink holder and its own, you know, screen. 
You know, I, I go cheap. Uh, I think I think a love seat's where I'm at. You can get a lot done with a love seat. It's, it's just a practical piece of furniture. I can respect that. I think that's good. All right, describe for me what video games smell like. They smell like the inside of a glove box. Oh, <laughs> that's, damn, that is so true. Uh, all right, would you rather have a towel that never gets wet or a carpet that never gets dirty? I think I'm going to have to go with a towel that never gets wet. I think I'm going to have to do that because I actually kind of like vacuuming. It's a weird thing. It's like I complain about chores like mowing and vacuuming, but there's something kind of cathartic about doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can get into that. I'm down for that. Here's another thing about me. I, I, this is my favorite subreddit. It's called Power Washing Porn, which is kind of in the same ilk as this. People get a power washer and they'll just power wash a sidewalk and you watch them go back and forth and clean it slowly. Mm. It's, it's kind of that nice feeling I get when I vacuum something too. I, it's like just watching something get cleaner. Like maybe. erasing a whiteboard. You just see clean, oh, clean lines yeah. of something disappearing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I can get into that. Mm-hmm. All right. Who would win a match of Halo between you, Justin Timberlake, and Benjamin Franklin? <laughs> I got to go with Benji Franks. I think he's going to have, I mean, he he what, he invented, uh, what was it, getting struck by electricity? That's a pretty cool thing mm. to come up with. Bifocals too. I, I feel like JT would be really fun to play with. I think he would be pretty fun on the mic, you know? he would Every time he would respawn, he'd be like, I'm bringing sex and back. And that would be kind of fun for the first few hundred times he did it. I don't know that he would be great at the game, though. I think he would spend a lot of time trying to make his character dance, and then he'd just get himself shot. Um, I'm not great at Halo, actually. I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest Halo guy. Uh, I appreciate it for what it is, but I'm... I'm just not great at it it's a little maybe too vertical for me in multiplayer but i feel like ben frank he's gonna know man he's got the kites he's got the ups he knows about clouds and getting struck by electricity he knows that's the only thing i know about him he was also on a dollar bill right or something hundred dollar bill hundred dollar bill yeah the benjamin he had a, if you will. he had a skullet and he wrote a couple books and uh, i think he was our fifth president so yeah i think he's got it he's got it benny, benny frankie i think i agree with you for sure <laughs> all right if you Suddenly, you know, you woke up, you found yourself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What would oh, your power be? My power would be to convince whoever's responsible for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to stop making Marvel movies. That would be my power. I would say, enough's enough. It must all stop. And then all the superheroes would have to try to stop me because they'd be like, that sucks, man. Because this, where, how are we going to, we need to, we have to have jobs. In fact, no more. No more. I would just be uh, the guy that uh, fired fired all of them. I think my superpower would be a towel that never gets wet. Oh, I like that better. I wish I'd have said that. All right. Finally, if you were to rank the entire NES library from best to worst, what game would be exactly in the middle? <laughs> oh, man. Now, that's a question. I don't know if I could just, boom, rattle off an answer. But I might have to go with uh, something like Time Lord. I just covered it on Nest Friend. It is kind of painfully average. It's a side-scrolling platformer-type deal where you find orbs that really don't want to be found by mm. you. A nice yeah. glass of 1% milk in video game uh, form. That's a good way to put it. You survived. You made it out of the hot seat. Hopefully it wasn't Thank too bad this God. time. It wasn't that bad. I'm going to get some blowback on that MCU thing. I don't like those movies. Well, okay. I think more people will be mad that you called Benjamin Franklin a president. But Ah, he was the fifth. Pretty sure. Hmm. 
either him or Tony Jefferson. One of those two. Uh, discussion time. All right. So typically we do a top five here. We do a, a list of five things. And this time we're not going to do that because we got a good email that's going to give us an actual factual discussion. So here we go. This is a, an email from our buddy Top Spot One Two Three. You can find him there on Twitter at that handle. And in his email, he asks, uh, in general, and I'll read the full email here, but he says, do we perceive games as better or worse, depending on the feelings we already have for the pre-existing characters in a game? Does adding well-known characters make a game better? And we're going to read the full email because he actually does a pretty good job at providing examples and explaining a little bit more what he's getting at. Uh, he, he starts off the, the email here with some kind words for Blink. He says, I just wanted to drop a quick note to let you know that I'm loving the second season of the podcast. Blinkoom, a.k.a. Steve, is quick-witted and very knowledgeable about even obscure games. Trav needs someone like that to counterbalance him. Har, har, har. And that was his words. Har, har, har. I actually did not laugh when I read that. I thought it was awful. <laughs> I, uh, I did. He, <laughs> oddly enough. He then goes on to say, uh, I have a question to pose. Could perhaps be a topic of discussion. Well, here we are, Tom's he says, as gamers, we often discuss the value that good graphics, music, or story add to a video game, even though on their own they may be insufficient to carry an otherwise mediocre play experience. But what about the value of having familiar characters in a game? Do we perceive games as better or worse depending on the feelings we already have for those characters? I'll give three examples to better explain what I'm getting at. Tetris Plus is a cute Tetris variation wherein the gameplay gimmick is that there is a small professor character pacing in the well. You have to manage the blocks in clear lines to try to get him to drop to the bottom layer so he can escape. It's a clever twist that doesn't stray too far from the core Tetris design like several variations at the time did. I've long thought that Nintendo should have swooped in to publish this game and replace the unknown professor character with an explorer Mario. And with nothing else being different, I think I would have a higher opinion of the game, and I don't think I'm alone. Naughty Dog's first game following their Crash Bandicoot games was Jack and Daxter. Ignoring where the series went with the characters and gameplay, if you just look at the first outing, there isn't much from a gameplay perspective that separates the first Jack game from what could have been a full open 3D Crash Bandicoot outing. By and large, all of Jack's attacks are the same as Crash's. If that game had a slightly different coat of paint and was the next in the Crash series, would it have been looked at more favorably, both at the time and in retrospect? Lastly, let's take a game like Super Mario 3D World. It is highly polished, but at its core, it's a pretty standard but clever 3D platformer. If instead of being a Mario game, it was a mascot animal game published by a lesser-known company, would it have risen to any acclaim? Well, those are my thoughts. I'm curious about yours. Am I alone in thinking this? What do known and beloved characters bring to games they inhabit? Thank you for everything you guys do, and take care. So, thank you, Top Spot. First and foremost, great email. I mm. love stuff like this. If anyone heard that and was inspired enough to send your own email with a similar uh, topic of discussion or question, or even a suggestion for a top five list, we are absolutely down. But let's get to answering this email. So, Steve, do you have any initial thoughts on this? I think it's a very interesting a uh, question that was posed here, and I do have some thoughts. I do. Uh, I I appreciate Top Spot admitting, especially with the Tetris Plus example, that he would have a higher opinion of the game if it included a Mario character, and he doesn't think he's alone. So, for me personally, I don't think that having a well-known character like significantly changes my personal desire to play a game, but I also like exploring weird games. I do think that adding characters that are well-known does ultimately have an impact 
on people's perceptions of that game. I think when someone is playing a new game, and I'm trying to think of like uh, someone who doesn't play a ton of games, but they play a handful a year. If you're playing a game you've never experienced before, it's a brand new IP, new characters, new everything. There's a little bit more of like a cognitive load to learn and get familiar with everything. But if it's, you know, some kind of game that has a Mario slapped on it or Sonic the Hedgehog slapped on it on the top of whatever the mechanics are, you're at least already familiar with one baseline aspect of that game. And so there's less for you to absorb, which might translate to you feeling like you enjoy the game more. I can see that. There's something about a character that's like, familiar yeah i'll hang out with this guy i know him it kind of trojan horses whatever that game is into your like like field of view i think of uh, mario sports games are a perfect example i mean i'm not usually playing tennis games i'm not out there looking for whatever the most recent tennis game is but if i see mario tennis i'm probably more likely to try it because i'm like yeah i know these characters i know mario games are typically easy to play they're easy to pick up they're easy to learn they're not too mechanically dense so i trust that this will be more enjoyable than it might otherwise be without mario characters yeah and he, he gives some examples but i think nintendo does this a ton or at least used to in the past like dr mario doesn't need dr mario in it uh, not at all He's just he's just holding a clipboard, looking at a giant bottle that could have been Doctor Fred, and not had Mario on it. I bet no one remembers that game. If that's the case, same with Yoshi's Cookie. That could have just been Ned's Cookie, and no one would have <laughs> ever bought it. But because it had Yoshi on it, I think it is more enjoyable because for some reason it feels like I'm hanging out with Yoshi while I'm just playing with cookies, even though if it was just a different avatar. And it was just a, a a guy with a mustache smiling at me uh, or whatever. I'm imagining what Ned looks like. It might not have been as fun, even if it's the same game. I think that's weird. Yeah. You think Yoshi's or uh, Kirby's Avalanche, if that was just called Avalanche, I'm not playing Avalanche. That looks boring. Hell no. I yeah, don't want to play that. It, it's actually, I, I think Top Spot is getting more towards does including a character fundamentally change like the game play experience but it's really easy to combine it in my head with does a familiar character obviously make a game more marketable and i think that is yeah. where it is much more common right is to slap an existing license on top of something and then trick you into playing it because you like that license versus versus fundamentally making you feel differently about the gameplay itself yeah right on yeah and i think too he made a good uh, example of could the you know that first Jack and Daxter game have just been another entry into the Crash Bandicoot series? I, I think there was a point where new IP is kind of like a big thing, but there's also a lot of copycatism. I think that was real prevalent. I mean, it's probably still prevalent, but in my mind, I remember like the kart racer wave where every company had its own. Like there was a Disney kart racer. There was you know Sony had theirs. Obviously, Nintendo had theirs, and uh, they were they're all basically the exact same recipe just with their own characters in there. And the characters are what makes those games interesting. It couldn't have been just a kart racer with just with the exact same mechanics and had anyone else in there been interesting. It has to have 
you, you know, you got to have Crash in there in the in the Crash one. And what is his name? Doctor, whatever the evil professor guy is. Um, I can't remember his name. In that, you got you have to have those guys in there, or else it's just not interesting. It's just racing around and and running over boxes and, and shit like that. So characters have, um, you know, even if it's whether it's new or not, there has to be character. In 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 some games like that, I think that's interesting. He just kind of unlocked that to me. Like I would not have played a game that's just called Battle Cart Racer. I mean, I would have played it, but it's way more interesting to have avatars in there that are recognizable. Exactly. It's really hard for me to wrestle with because once I'm in the game, if it's just called Battle Car Racer, once I'm actually playing it, I personally would probably like it the same either way. Because mm. once I'm actually playing it. Uh, I'm just kind of basing my opinion on it based on what I'm playing, but I'm a lot more likely to to get into it, including trying it for the first time if it's something that I'm familiar with. And, and it obviously does have some impact on me because I think of a couple of examples, Pokemon Go and Hearthstone feel like two big ones, both of which are games that if they were not tied to existing franchises that I know, Pokemon and, and Warcraft... Like, I never played Magic the Gathering. I never played any card game in that ilk until Hearthstone came out, and then I played it and ended up really liking it, specifically because it was tied to a universe I knew, which made learning all the characters and stuff way less intimidating, even though the mechanics you're learning are the same as they would be in any other card game. That doesn't structurally change at all. I I think, so, and and you just made a good point, like, if you played the the Battle Car Racer game and it's just bland made-up characters and, and whatever... Uh, even if you enjoyed it the same as you would have with characters, he made a good point in here that you might actually fondly remember it better with the characters in it. Hmm. Like you might not remember Battle Car Racer 10 years later, but if someone's like talking about Crash or Spyro and, and those were in that game, you'd be like, oh yeah, and I played that game and I, I enjoyed that. But bland ass Battle Car Racer with Jeffrey the Speedman in there, you're not going to remember <laughs> that shit because... He died when that game left the left the console. So I think there is something about um, staying power in terms of relevancy uh, with characters, even if the game, good or bad, the game can be ass, it's still going to be remembered because the character will outlive the game every time. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm trying not to hold it against Top Spot because it sounds a little bit like he's trying to attack my boy Jack and Daxter, which is a game I really love. But... <laughs> I won't. I won't be too offended. I. I will say I do think it can go the opposite direction though too. Sometimes I think a game having a character in it uh, can hurt it. So if it's not a game that is in the typical style of that character's games, people will come into it with certain expectations and be disappointed when though they aren't met because it's something new. The like most obvious example that jumps into my mind is Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. People wanted another collectathon Banjo Kazooie game, but they got this kind of like weird vehicle building sort of sandboxy type game. And it's a game that I think is phenomenal, but most people don't like it. And I think it's because they they couldn't wrestle with their expectations of what Banjo Kazooie should be. And so never like sat down and thought of the game uh, on its own terms, divorced from the characters. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it works out like, excuse me, like the, um, like Lara Croft, Tipple of the Osiris or Osiris, I think it's what's called. Yeah. Like putting her in in those types of like puzzle games and stuff like that. Like sometimes they take a chance and if it fits what, you know, she's an explorer, she's a, she's does what she does. 
she does it in just a little bit of a different way, but it still makes sense. It still works in the universe. But you take, you know, Banjo and Kazooie, who, and I, I'm not an expert, but feels like there's not a whole lot of them riding around in vehicles at any point in the first or second game, and then suddenly they're building them and bombing around in a city or whatever, or, or doing whatever they're doing. It seems like a huge departure in a, in a couple ways, mechanically and thematically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, there was certainly aspects of the skeleton of that game where you were still like collecting jiggies as an objective to something, but exploring a, like a, a pyramid to find a puzzle piece that's hidden within it is a lot different from having to block by block Lego style build a, a boat with a powerful enough motor to get you across these, this like wavy ocean to get to the island out there to pick up a jiggy it's very different but like would tetris be more fun if if there was just some guy shitting all the blocks out for you like maybe kind of neat i don't know that's a different that's like the fourth fourth game in that series of atari porn games (laughs) that's right yeah beat them and eat them and hot slots and poop tetris (laughs) poop tetris gotta have it poop tris poop tris uh All right, well, we've got we've made it to Pooptress, which is what everybody wanted. Yep. Guys, thanks for listening. We will catch you. We got one more episode here, I think, right before Christmas. So we'll get you we'll get you a nice little pod nog there, a little 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 Christmas special there or something. We'll do some top top five games of of the year that we've beaten. I think was what we're going to do. So get your list ready. Shoot them to us. We'd be interested in seeing them. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.